Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg, here to encourage you wherever you are in your healing journey. In each episode, I chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you've found it. Let us help you find your joy in life. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today on Grief and Rebirth podcast. I'm speaking to you from West Orange, New Jersey. So happy to have this opportunity to interview the dynamic Samantha Ruth, who will be speaking to us from Boulder, Colorado. Sam is a transformational psychologist, a speaker, a podcast host, and the best-selling author of three books titled Women Who Illuminate, Life Lessons and Success, and her most recent titled Permission Granted, Discover How Life Changes When You Give Yourself Permission. She is also the proud founder of what she calls Grief Hab, a 24-7 support community open to anyone who has experienced a loss. I'm looking forward to asking Sam about Grief Hab, her most recent book titled Permission Granted, and her impressive mission to change the way the world views grief and mental health. And I'm psyched to also find out how she is helping people around the world to turn their pain into their power by guiding them to be their true selves. This is surely going to be an exciting, inspiring interview. Hey, Sam, welcome to Grief and Rebirth Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Let's begin our interview with this question. What motivated you to work at both preschools and male teen correctional facilities when you were in college and later intern at a teen runaway shelter when you were in graduate school, which is where you met your precious husband, Jim? I obviously always knew I wanted to work with kids, <laughs> um, but that didn't narrow it down enough for me. No, because so, you work with troubled kids. Yeah, at risk. Um, a lot of what I do is about taking something that's perceived negative and turning it into something positive. And I, even at a young age, had a problem with people being labeled bad kids or troublemakers. And so that's the population I was always drawn to and love. So I, I needed to try it all to figure out where I would end up. Wow. I mean, that is so inspiring. Most people would run from kids who have all those kinds of problems. What a blessing. Your world was, of course, shattered into millions of pieces when you unexpectedly lost Jim. I can relate. But instead of giving up, you turned your pain into your power. Please tell us about Jim. Share what happened when you lost him. And tell us how you responded to your sudden grief. Uh, Jim was the, like, had just a zest for life. He always had the best attitude and did everything fully. So um, he was the, he had a laugh that filled up the room. Uh, everybody loved being around him. And my favorite thing now is when I meet somebody, he was a loan officer. And to me, that sounds like numbers, but I run into people all the time who say he changed my life. He didn't just help me get my house. 
He helped me understand why I needed to do, to do this and this. And he really did. He made an impact on every life he touched. Wow. What happened when you lost him? Um, he collapsed at work on a typical Wednesday. How old, uh, he? How old was he, Sam? He was 46. I was oh, 44 yeah. at the time. Yeah, he had an undetected heart condition. Uh, there was just a similar situation in London, I believe, where an athlete, tip-top shape, collapsed. And the only reason he survived was because they had staff right there on the field uh, with with defibrillator, however you say that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there was just, it was, it was instantaneous. Oh my God. So you got a call. He's gone. I got a call that the paramedics were working on him at his office. I'm the daughter of a doctor. So I knew <laughs> in my head, I think I knew, um, but good. they didn't, they didn't tell me until I got to the emergency room. My God. How did you respond when this, I mean, you must've been devastated. I was devastated. Were you in shock or were you in shock? I, I was, in shock for a long time, but this is the love of my life. I met him when I was 24 years old. We weren't in grad school together, but I had you actually met him through one of these teen correctional facilities where the run, teen run when you were in graduate school or I was working at the teen runaway shelter and his cousin was one of my teen teen uh, mentors. Ah. And he left work one day and went few miles down the road to Jim's house and said, I met this perfect girl for you. Like she loves sports. She loves the same music. And, and Jim wasn't home. He left a note on the door. <laughs> and, you know, so when I met Jim, he had this note and um, we, it was, it was, well, <laughs> it was immediate and everyone knew, but we were both pretty young. I was 24. He was 26, really career driven. So it, a couple years later, when we went our separate ways, he moved to Colorado and I was still in Michigan. So I had relocated and, and willingly, happily moved across the country to marry this man who I've loved since I was 24, but I've only been with for a few years. Uh, so I, I mean, I went through so many things. My first reaction was, I want my mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> really, truly. All my I'm sure. Wow. And when you lost him, of course, your life as you knew it was done so you learned that your degrees training and experience didn't matter and you were completely lost what has your own grief journey taught you about self-discovery and learning to accept and embrace our true selves I mean that had to be quite a journey for you Sam my grieving journey took me down a different road than I had been living my entire life I was a very type A, go, 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 plan, you know, go to college, grad school. I was just very focused and driven and grief doesn't work that way. And I had to slow down and I had to deal with the unknown and that ended up being a blessing and teaching me that while I was so busy, go, go, going most of my life, I had missed all of these things that happen because I had planned everything the, a different way. Right, right, right. It just, it, I, I always liken uh, grief to your life is in a certain way and you think about a, a domino board and all of a sudden, if you throw the board up in the air, the dominoes land in every different way. And that's what happens to your life with grief. Everything is in a different place. Please explain how you talk about how each of us grieves in our own way and you share how, you, and so, could you share how you honor the different styles of grieving people you work with? Absolutely. And I learned this because 
uh, you know, I don't know if you experienced this, but some people are judged for going back to work too soon. Some people don't go back to work soon enough. I'm still wearing my wedding ring. That is the biggest topic of conversation. And so my journey helped me understand that if I did things according to the way the world expected me to, I would never heal. So it wasn't about you. That was about them. Yeah. So you had to find your own way, but to do that, you have to kind of get in touch with who you are too. And so my path, fortunately, I live in Colorado and have nature and beauty all around me. And here being this extrovert who was always out and about with Jim, who's an even bigger extrovert, none of that made sense to me. I had no desire to be around bunches of happy people. And so my path to healing was through quiet and nature and acting like I was a kid again, like really, truly sitting in the dirt and playing with sticks. Wow. It might've looked ridiculous. And at the time I didn't know it was productive, but that's when my awakenings and my messages and things would happen because I was giving myself time to pause and get out of the chaos of this world. That's just go, go, go. Well, in a way, I think you put you in a little bit of a meditative state. And I had never, I was the person who didn't know how to meditate. It didn't work for me because I couldn't slow my brain down enough. Meditating is one of the things that I started doing, still not knowing if I was doing it correctly, but my old self would have laughed at meditating Sam. That's right. But just like you say that everyone grieves in their own way, I, I, know, I find that a lot of people meditate in their own way. You can meditate by looking at beautiful trees and being in the present moment, or you can meditate with a guided meditation or whatever, whatever I works for you. I didn't know that. And I'm sure many people listening might not know that. And so that was a great experience for me. And it's something that sounds, I, I don't know how it's related to healing, but for me, it was a big step. And it's something that absolutely I have to do if not once a day twice yeah 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 it it, it uh, grounds you it, it's right I know so you have a book called permission granted discover how life changes when you have th- three books but discover how life changes when you give yourself permission and it contains 20 amazing stories of how life changes when you give yourself permission to show up fully Sam I love that What inspired you to write this book? And can you please share with us one or two of those inspiring and empowering stories in the pick in the book? Pick some good ones, Sammy. Yeah, (laughs) I think I was really, really lost and in shock uh, for the initial few months of my grief journey. But I uh, went to the mountains where we got married for our anniversary. And that was the first message I received. That was something I absolutely had to do. And nobody else thought that was a good idea for me to drive in such deep grief by myself in the mountains. Uh, I did it anyway. That was a big first through doing that. I met someone who connected me with Jack Canfield, who has always been my mentor and the author of all the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. And I then joined his training program where I met my publisher and dear, dear friend, Kate Butler, who does these collaboration books. And I didn't know I was writing to be a part of a book. I was writing to heal again. And I write Jim a letter every day. Um, So each chapter, mine is permission to grieve because I think the world needs to understand that we all deserve that. Patty Aubrey is Jack Canfield, the president of his company. And for years, 
she was behind him. You didn't know her. And when her mother was passing, she said, I don't remember the exact words, but basically get out from behind his shadow. You have gifts. And so she gave herself permission to be seen. And oh, that's, wow. that's what her chapter is about. And that's amazing. And so this all connects to healing. And Jack Canfield really connected me with these people. And Kate Butler, the publisher, her chapter is all about miracles. And the many, many, she is one of the first miracles that appeared in my life that we sometimes don't stop to recognize and, and make time for. So I would say those are two of the best. They're all right, and they're all wonderful. Could you, I love this. Could you please explain your belief that what makes a person different truly makes that person beautiful? I think that there are so many stereotypes and perceived negatives in this world. And just recently, somebody was talking about her daughter who didn't want to go back to school. And when asked why, she said, I always get in trouble for talking too much. Well, talking is your gift. There's always something, maybe she's going to be the next best public speaker. I don't know. Right. But I try to take anything. So my, my upcoming book is Redefining Ruthless because ruthless is another perceived negative word. And it's my story of how I'm making that positive. And again, being a psychologist, mental illness is perceived as a negative. And so I just want people to understand that these are your gifts and your superpowers and the world has it backwards, not us. So when you come out with that book, let me know. We'll talk about that because that's a wonderful, wonderful subject to chat about on grief and rebirth because so many people cannot realize who they are because of those negative messages that are embedded in them. Yes. Yeah. How do you help people to discover those things that bring them joy and eliminate the things that don't bring them joy? I mean, most people feel they go through life, they feel like, well, I have to do this. I should do this, right? Wait, I don't know if you experienced this after losing your husband, but I became extremely intentional with my time, mm -hmm. who I spend it with, Right. what I put into my life, whether that's music, TV, or people. And so um, to start, I was, by finding joy, like I said, I went back to being a kid. I was finger painting at three in the morning. And so I try to tell people like, let's go back to things that are fun and don't have to make sense. And let's find that child that used to do things and not care what the world thought. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And then this is another one you say that I love. What other people think of me is none of my business. Boy, do people need to know about that. What brought you to this conclusion about outside noise, as you call it, and how do you teach others to tune that outside noise out? I think I always knew it and worked with it to some degree, but grieving as a psychologist who specializes in trauma suddenly came with a lot of expectations about how I was supposed to bounce back and move forward and, and what was next for me. And none of that worked. <laughs> Most of my life, I listened to it. Even I would have listened to my dad who didn't want me to go to the mountains just for safety and love, but I would have listened to that and I would have missed out on a pivotal week of my life that led me to people who are family now. Right. So I think that that's, what I might through grieving, I recognized all this noise and I had to tune it out. And so I want people to realize that we all have a little voice that we've been trained to shut up. And that's our own voice. 
Yep. Not all those outside voices, right? Yep. How are you helping people around the world to turn their pain into their power by guiding them to be their true selves? I guess that's one of the ways. And could you share an example of someone you've helped like this? Yes. So there's resistance when people make changes after, like I had been a certain way most of my life. I was not the girl who meditated or was okay with the unknown. So people who know and love me were confused and wanting old Sam back that, that, of that course. accustomed to. So we have to be able to love, respect, thank, and go on our own journey. And that takes some guts. I, there really can be people who don't get it. And what was the initial question? No, I said, how are you helping people around the world to turn their pain into their power by guiding them to be their true selves? And I just wanted to know if you have an example of someone you help oh, with this. So someone currently um, is a, another another widow who truly thought nothing's, there is nothing left. I'm moving into my kid's home. Right. Um, that's it. And didn't think she individually would have any. She's now... Um, teaching art to kids, writing a book as well. There is something to writing and healing, uh, whether you sit down to write a book or you're just writing to get through something difficult. So she, we all still grieve every day. It doesn't just go away. But she's creating a future that she didn't believe existed. Possible. The thing that amazes me is she thought she was going to go into her kid's house and become grandma. So, but somewhere along the line, she was inspired to find you. Her, her kids against her. She didn't even want to have the first phone call. But once we got on the phone, that was really all it took for us. I think when you've lost someone, we're instantly connected. And, and we all have these expectations in our head that if I work with somebody, it's going to be that like clinical white office. Uh, so once we connected and she was like, oh, you're like a real living, breathing person who gets yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. That's fabulous. <laughs> So now you've got two programs that I found fascinating and some of our listeners may, our viewers may want to check them out. One is called I'm a Mess and the other is called I Could Use Some Help. They're healing programs. You want to tell us all about them? Yes, and they're different because I worked in traditional practice for so long where you meet with somebody once a week at this time and you can't have contact outside of the office and problems don't work that way. So. I'm a mess is I need as much support and guidance as you can give me. And I might even put some of it on your plate, Sam. So I can, and I want you to put it on my plate so you can heal or focus on that book or whatever that goal is. And I could use some help is let's create your own. You're a little bit further along in your healing journey and, and maybe just some crutches and let's create a plan that works for you. So I really have always tried to make each plan unique with each person because nobody works with a cookie cutter. Right. So someone who says, who goes to the, I could use some help. They may be struggling, but they're not um, it, it, totally in despair. And someone who it gets into I'm a mess really needs you to hold their hand and take them step by step for a while and those were my words that though that's where I was and so that's how I came up with that because I'll tell you when things aren't when you've experienced a trauma the light bulb burning out is the end of the world and I get that and so really truly 
You don't think, oh, I can just Google a handyman. It just doesn't come to your mind. And I'm not just going to give you the, the names of some in your area. I'm going to take that off of your plate because nobody except us understands how exhausting and overwhelming it is. Oh, that's really cool. If someone's from a distance, how do they work with you? I, I assume, especially in the days of COVID, you're doing a lot of long distance online work, right? Yeah, however they're comfortable. Some people prefer the phone. Some people like Zoom where we can see each other. Sometimes when you're grieving, you want to be in bed and you don't want to have your camera on. So really, truly, I would say the majority are uh, Zoom, but there are people who want who prefer a phone call. So again, whatever's going to work best for that person. That's okay. And this also is an amazing thing you've created, which is called Grief Hab. You founded this and you've got a grief hab and you've got a grief hab for teens, right? Yes. And that was, again, me in passing saying to somebody, I need grief hab. Like there's rehab for everything except for grief. And then I recognized that if me, with all of my knowledge and resources and tools available, couldn't find the support I needed, that somebody in a different field would have even less support than I did. So I really wanted to create a place that you have unlimited access to each other, to me, and that there's no judgments or rules. One person might want to be sitting on the couch watching Netflix and another person might be out and about and both are okay. Right, so do they contact you? I mean, is this like an, an online site where they go to? There's a Facebook group that is always there. I'm active in, I'm doing weekly live videos, um, but you can also talk to everyone else. And then if they want something more intense than that, they can work with me one-on-one. -on -one. Oh, okay. And the grief app for teens, do you have a lot of kids signing up for that? It's so nice. They... Think, about, think about how grieving we need our own place, but teenagers need their own place regardless. So someone actually brought it to my attention and I was mortified because I've worked with teens forever that I hadn't thought of it yet, but yes. And I want parents to also know that it's run by me and I'm licensed and it's not just a place where some, if something dangerous is going on, I, I have access to their parents' information and they know that they're interacting with me. So mm -hmm. I, want, I want parents to know that it's a safe regulated place. I mean, it's very cool. Cause even though you're a quote, close quote therapist a kid doesn't feel they're going to a quote, close quote therapist. They're just going to this cool lady they can talk to. Right. I mean, I, I was always connected with the kids. I, I was like, okay, parents aren't going to like me because I'm not going to put on a suit. And I certainly don't try to act differently than I am. So yeah, it's the connect when parents see that their kids are connecting with somebody and they're not being forced. That's all they need. Yeah. It must really help kids from getting into trouble sometimes too. You know, I'm sure. Um, Sam, you of all people in the universe, why do you think it's important for every person to heal? Because as much pain or trauma as we've been through, there is still a way through it and we don't have to suffer. You don't have to be in that much pain alone struggling. And I'm not saying it goes away or it gets easier or better, but it gets different and you can find your people and, and still have a life of joy. Well, that's wonderful. Tell us how people can connect with you. SamanthaRuth.com. Let's spell it. S-A-M-A-N-T-H-A-R-U-T-H. .com. 
and all of my social media links are on there. My podcast, um, that's the easiest way, but I am, you know, if you just look me up on social media, I'm there. Okay. And what would you like to tell us all about finding joy in life? It sounds like you're an expert by now. It's there. I really truly do believe that if you tune out the noise and you want to finger paint at three in the morning, or you want to dance in the street, we all still have that little child in us. And like I said, we've been shutting, shutting him or her up based on the noise and our own noise that we're creating. So I just want you to know that go back to that little kid, do what anything that takes away pain or brings you a little bit of peace is valuable and productive. And it doesn't matter what it looks like to anyone else. Right. That's fabulous advice. Sam, I am sure that the tremendous good you are doing in our world every single day is making your late husband, Jim, so very proud of you. You truly are a superhero as you actively work to help people turn their pain into their power, guide them to be their true selves, inspire them to embrace their differences, and empower them to live life on their own terms. Thank you from my heart for this uplifting and empowering interview. I am confident that many people in our Grief and Rebirth podcast audience would love to read your book, Permission Granted. Discover how life changes when you give yourself permission, which is a must read for those who are ready to make significant changes in their lives. And here's a reminder, everyone, that you can see the show notes and all Grief and Rebirth podcast episodes on irenweinberg.com. And make sure to follow us and like us on social at Irene S. Weinberg on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. As I like to say, to be continued, many blessings, and bye for now. Mm-hmm.